The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziegler, your premier source for equipping coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally. Visit Ziegler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. In minding our mindset and thinking about our thinking, we bring into question how much of our perspectives and even beliefs are based on the fictional stories our brains write to protect us. That's what we've been talking about. And this sounds minimizing. It continues to for me. Uh, It minimizes our realities. But I just want you to think about occurrences which have happened in your life before, things you've experienced with other people and how they later recounted the reality, quote, that happened And you're standing there next to him thinking, that's not at all what happened, as you had a very different experience. And that's the issue. Something happens, and we all experience it differently. And that can rewrite life in a very different way. I mean, the thing did happen, but we all perceive it differently. It means different things to you and others. What excites one person may terrify another. And this type of natural reaction in our minds is normal. The opportunity we're hitting on here is accepting that a good percentage of our reality, and therefore beliefs are made up in our mind from how we've experienced things. Our mind and experiences and memories are not made up facts. They're made up stories. And as such, we can evolve to consider a bigger story and more context and possibility. And this can radically alter our lives. So this is part three on Michael Hyatt's book and message, Mind Your Mindset. Today, I ask a special guest to co-host with me to open up some more ideas on this. I ask Broadway and film star Renee Marino, who I did a series with here on the podcast just recently regarding her book and message, Becoming a Master Communicator. And I ask Renee to co-host with me on this topic because what and how we communicate, that's her specialty, is ultimately a reflection of our mindset. And also because we just had such great resonance and energy in our previous shows, I got such good feedback about it. I wanted to bring her back on for another show. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, I would be really grateful if you'd leave us a review. Most of all, I'm just hoping you will work to implement what you hear in the show, in your life. Talk about it with other people. You can always find and connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Well, next up, Renee Marino and I go further into the discussion on Michael Hyatt's new book and message, Mind Your Mindset, The Science That Shows Success Starts With Your Thinking. And on that, you can buy his book and with it, get his Mind Your Mindset course for free at mindyourmindsetbook.com slash self-helpful. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill 
bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Hi. Renee, hello. Hello, my friend. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited for this. I am too. I am too. We're going to have so much fun. We are. Okay. Well, I got cold brew, which I never get. Yes. I haven't Woo-hoo. tasted it yet and I've never gotten coffee from this place. So here we go. Let's see. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. So wait, you just do it black? Just black. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. I did. A, I like it, but I, yeah, I did a sugar fast eons ago. Uh, yeah. and, and that meant no sugar, you know, I just a hundred percent. And so I took it out of my coffee at the time and 30 days went by. And by the end of it, I was just digging black coffee. So wow. no, it's true. Your taste buds really do change. I'm now into, I don't know how many months now I've been doing primarily tea. I kind of did a conversion yeah. for, for now. And yeah. I'm into that. I do like it with a tad of sugar and cream. I, I'm yes. not, I'm not digging it plain yet. So yeah. we'll see if I get that. How evolved. about almond milk? So I, I, you know, I'm doing like non-dairy too. So I always do almond milk. I just need something. Yeah. I haven't gone there yet either. So I'm mm-hmm. doing just regular, you know, organic half and half. I will see. Yep. Perfect. We'll see. I, I also don't do cold brew because I'm, at, you know, 9,000 feet up in the Rockies and it's <laughs> makes the warm really nice. Uh, it is nicer today. I actually checked out New Jersey. You're, it showed 57 today. That's pretty Look, I'm in, I'm sleeveless. This is crazy, Kevin. I just got, unfortunately, my, my husband's best friend's mother passed. So we mm. were at a wake and funeral just a little while ago, but it was like, she was shining down from heaven because it was gorgeous out like sun shining. I was like, wow, what a beautiful day to celebrate her life. Wow. And what a significant event for us to talk about communication and mindset from, which we'll dive in there though. I did want to say, I saw, did I see you were just in LA? I was so that real, it's so funny. Everyone thinks I'm in LA now. That was like a month ago, but I decided to share it now. Um, but no, I'm, I'm home. I just thought it was very accuracy of you, you know, to be in LA. Yeah, so. yeah. Right. Right. I know. Everybody's like, Oh my gosh, are you out here? Can you, can you visit? And I'm like, no, I'm not there. Yeah. That's <laughs> the problem with out. the latent social media posts. Did you film Jersey boys? Did you have to go out there? Yep. Oh, yeah. And then right. I live there. So I filmed it the end of 2013. Right. And then, so it was like a month and a half filming mm-hmm. it. Then I came back home. And then that January of 14, I moved out there and we were out there for three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Different world. Yep. Oh, it sure is. So you're sure. just, you're just at a funeral. Okay. Well, that, that, lives, that gives some gravity to the discussion. Yeah. I mean, I, so I wanted to have you on here talking about, you know, Michael Hyatt, mind your mindset. I mean, you are about communication. Again, it's an interesting, you know, when, when, when we did the show together, the initial one I had had, uh, let's see, Robert Waldinger on talking about 
relationships are the, you know, Holy grail. That's it. That's what we want. Yeah. So it makes us happy. Then Nedra, uh, Glover Tawab. And we're talking about how we often don't communicate well. And relationships are also the hardest place for us where we often fail. Then you come on, we're talking about communication. Then we have Michael Hyatt and talking about minding your mindset, thinking about what you're thinking, which is ultimately what we communicate. Yes. It's so powerful, like the way that all lined up, and I know you didn't really plan that, but just the the order of guests and how aligned we all are and how there's such connection and synchronicities with what we're all saying. Yeah. I absolutely loved your your interview with, with Michael. And then mm. I also went and started listening to the book. And wow, when you think of the stories that we tell ourselves or the stories that we absorb from our teachers, from our coworkers, from our friends. That's how we then choose to operate in our lives from those stories. So that goes yes. back to what you and I talked about and what I believe in teach was, which is step one is that communication with self. And that's exactly what they're saying in this book, right? Is we must bear witness to use the phrase I used with you, bear witness to the stories that we're operating from. Because if we go on autopilot, this is where problems in our lives arise because we're not sitting down to take a pause and become conscious of where these beliefs are coming from. Well, that it was kind of a brought me around circle because if I come to your topic at face value, communicating, I'm thinking communicating with others. And you're saying, okay, first we start with listening and we listen. Okay. Now I'm listening to Hyatt and what I'm listening to is someone's story, their perception, their interpretation. It's not necessarily, not to minimize it, but it's not, not, not fact. This isn't uh, reality necessarily. It's their reality. So I'm listening to that. I'm listening and I need to understand. And then I'm going to respond to them and ultimately share my story and what you've got me thinking is, okay, f no, first is not listening to the other person. First is what you just said, being aware of what story I'm coming from to even be standing in front of them. And I love that. I just wrote it down, what you said, the stories we are operating from. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you, Renee, today to talk about something. And I'm coming to you within the framework of my operating system, which is my story, which is not fact. And I, I feel bad play with that. Cause I feel a little bad saying that when we say that, okay, everybody, we're just talking from this story. And as Michael said to somewhat, it's a lot of fiction that sounds bad. It sounds minimizing. It yeah. sounds like, we're, but it's true. And I'm trying to find some positive ground with yeah. that. Well, let me help you because the Do way it. I, as I was listening to the interview and then listening to the book, I decided to get it on audiobook because I've been coaching a lot this week and, and I, I thought to myself, huh, this is a enlightening way to look at our minds. And what I love that Michael says is our brains, our minds are just doing what they're meant to do. So this creation of stories, right, taking just that word story and and not labeling positive or negative on that word story, but when we step back from that and say, wait, that's what our brains are designed to do. Our brains are designed to keep us safe, keep us in survival. So 
no matter what we're doing, driving the car or having a conversation, our brain is ready to fill the gaps so it can make sense and take the next right steps. So if we look at it from that perspective and flip the script and not look at telling ourselves stories as a negative thing, but as a natural thing, that allows us to take the judgment away and then and then handle it for what it is and say, okay, this is what my brain's going to do. Me, you, every person who's listening to this podcast, everyone in the world, we are all going to create stories. That's a job of our brain. Just like Tony Robbins talks about this a lot, how our brains are, you know, however million years old and they were designed to keep us safe. Yeah. If there's a saber-toothed tiger coming after us, we need to know, I need to run, fight or flight. The problem that's happened as we've evolved is that fight or flight comes into play in situations where it's not life or death, right? But still, at the end of the day, our brain's just doing what it was designed to do, keep us safe. So if we look at it from that perspective and say, okay, my brain's doing what it's designed to do, but now as the evolved human being I am, I'm going to take a step back and now do step two of what they say in this three-step process. Step one is to become aware of the story you tell yourself and step two which is my favorite is interrogate it right you you're aware that you're telling a story but now ask yourself some questions is this really the situation could this be me responding from a place of my own trauma could this be me responding from a place of a little bit of jealousy right and really peeling back the layers of that thank you that yeah, the fight or flight. Okay, so we had Terry Real on the show last year, renowned psychologist, therapist. He's Gwyneth Paltrow's go-to uh, therapist, I think relationship therapist, whatnot. And he talked about that with great grace that as children, primarily in our upbringing, we learned something. We, none of us had perfect parents or caregivers as great as they may have been, not perfect. And we learned certain things to cope that served us so well. And he's so great at saying, man, that was with his patients to say, man, that was what you did. That was brilliant as a kid, how clever of you and how strong of you to learn how to cope and survive within that. But as you just said today, though, in our evolved state as adults, we're not in those circumstances. And yet we still, we, me, I do too tend to respond from those same places. So I love what you pulled out from Michael to interrogate it. And that sounds bad, but it's what we do with anyone. I don't care the smartest person across from me. I'm going to hear what they say. And I'm often going to go, Oh, okay. I, there's a different perspective as, as well. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way or whatnot. Can I do that with myself to go? Okay. That was the first flight reaction. Now step back. And as Zig Ziglar would say, not react, but now, now respond. And as you said, interrogate, step back and question that and go, okay, okay that's, that's relevant. We have grace for that, but there might be a bigger picture that my human nature and initial programming does not immediately revert to that. I can now step back in and maybe just consider some other ideas, man. I may have nailed it right off the bat and we would hope that we would do that, but there may be a bigger picture. And the more we do that, then the more we're able to do that as well. And we've got that consistent mining our mindset. I like yeah. it. Yeah. And then if we can look at it from the perspective of being curious, like we were as children, yeah. we were so curious, oh, imagination, right? Really using that on ourselves and saying, huh, 
why did I just react like that to my husband? Yeah. That That's interesting. Instead of what we often do, and I'll just speak for myself, but I hallucinate that many of us experience this. We jump to judgment of ourselves. I see this with my clients. I see when I'm helping people to get on camera with confidence, Kevin, I see them judging themselves like, why can't I do this right away? It's jumping to judgment. But if we can flip the script and say, no, wow, Renee, I'm really proud of you because first of all, you were just aware that you reacted in a way that maybe was not appropriate. But number two, you're just on autopilot because for these 40 years you've been alive, that helped you in some way to react that way, right? But now you're an adult, you don't need to react that way anymore, but good on you for doing the thing that for all those years you did to help yourself feel good, to help yourself survive, to help yourself thrive in many situations. So if we come at it from a place of honoring ourselves, it's so much easier than to move forward into the curiosity, peeling back the layers and going, okay, cool. So that worked for you when you were 15, but now you're 40 years old. Maybe it doesn't work so much. So cool. Let's, uh, let's analyze this a little bit. Let's interrogate that. It's so much easier than to make those shifts. Did you say you're 40? Yes. Huh? You, you look on younger, but you seem older. That's interesting. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned the word propensity, I think, a minute ago. And in being aware of ourselves, mm-hmm. that's what I'm I'm thinking about as I'm interrogating my story overall. Okay, I, Kevin, I tend to X. In this scenario, I tend to respond this way. And I could probably list out the I want to, I was going to say healthy and unhealthy, but the more life giving, the more life taking, the more progressing, the more handicapping, however you want to put that and be aware of that and start retelling that story. Um, yes. you know, when this happens, I tend to, we've been talking about this recently. I'm a classic minimizer. If it's anything negative, I'm going to minimize it. I don't really want to feel the hurt and the pain of that. So I'm, as you talked about before, I'm protecting myself. That's my nature. And that is great in some ways. If I am to use the old adage, if I'm captaining a ship and we're at war and the seas are broiling or whatever to keep my calm, to minimize the danger and to keep steering head, that sounds great. It worked well as a pro cyclist. It does not work so well in intimate relationships. Uh, So to realize I'm a minimizer. Okay. So when X happens now, gut check. Okay. I'm going to minimize it. The person across from me or around me, they may not be minimizing it. They may be at a more minimum, minimum or medium level. They may be exact, you know, they may tend to exaggerate that. And okay. How can I be there for, be honest to myself, check in with me. Also check in then with the people I am with and be aware of their propensities, especially those closest to us, of course. And let's, let's go. I got, I got another piece of what you said, but I want to, I want to stop there. That's the one that I feel like I'm doing the most work on right now. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out 
or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and air doctor is just the best. Air doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Yeah. When you can take that, we're all reflections of one another. What we see in others is actually what's within us. 
good and negative, right? Those great things. You're like, man, Kevin is so freaking awesome. Like, I just love, he just has this cool, calm, collected energy about him. Man, I love that. When I admire that in you, that's within me too. And I, I mean that, that that is something I really believe. And that's why I love having these conversations with you. And then there are moments, right, where we get frustrated with a friend or a, or a spouse and we're like, oh, you're just driving me crazy. It's so helpful to take that power of the pause and say, that means that that's something I'm frustrated with within myself. So as you just said, once we can realize, like in your case, I, okay, I tend to minimize. Let me, let me step back, ask myself some questions. Why, why am I doing this? Oh, Kevin, because for so many years, this, this protected you as a pro cyclist, right? That's what I needed to do as a, as a, as a father in, in, I'm sure a sense. If something happened with one of your children, you couldn't get to the heights of emotion to scare your child. You had to keep it together a little bit. So by you observing that within yourself, Kevin, then if someone on the other end that you're listening to, right, that you're observing, now you can spot that in them and you have the space to be a little more forgiving. You have the space to say, instead of jumping to judgment of this person, I recognize that maybe this is a pattern of theirs. Yes. I, I want to ask, as you talk about, you reference to me being a pro cyclist like that. Yeah. Uh, same with you though. I, how many years, and it doesn't really matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if you don't feel well. It doesn't matter if you had a big rift with your, you know, a boyfriend, your husband, whatever it is, or a family member. Well, you just came from a funeral. Somebody died, whatever at X o'clock time on Broadway, you're going to show up on stage and you got, you don't, you, you got to really be there. I mean, this isn't just a job you can kind of make, make it through on a bad day. You've got to right. be there with the smiles, the exuberance or the tears or the exuberance or, or whatever you had to compartmentalize. To some degree, I would say there may not be a bigger level of need for compartmentalization. Yes. Oh, totally. As you're saying that, I'm I'm thinking back to my days. Oh man, days that I was dealing with something really emotional. Something happened with a family member, and needing to still get on the stage. The show must go on. Like you said, all right, Renee, put it put it in the back of the in the closet right now because you need to get on stage, smile, dance, sing because this isn't TV or film. We can't do another retake. It's yeah. in the moment, yeah. real life. So yes, I had to. I had to create these habits that turned into patterns of telling myself, you must go on no matter what, no matter what. And for that business, that was great. Those times I still had to go on the stage if I felt sick. But now, years later, I am in a different season of my life when Renee needs to take some rest she better take some rest because otherwise her body's going to do it for her, right? And then I end up sick. I end up overwhelmed. So I had to step back and say, this doesn't work for me anymore. Pushing myself to the, the, the brink. I need to restructure, refocus and say, okay, what works for me now? You mentioned judgment too in there. So true story yesterday, less than 24 hours ago, I guess I'm, I'm with my therapist. And as we're talking, that's, he, he got a little, not irritated, but he, he shared some emotion with me on Kevin, you're judging yourself. 
You're judging yourself. Quit doing that. And I honestly came back to some degree because he shared something that he had done. He said, okay, I did X, Y, Z, you know, and I'm learning not to judge myself. I said, yeah, but weren't you disappointed? with yourself? He said, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So if you're watching the video, you see, you say it with a big, yes. Okay. This is, I'm, I'm not so great here and working to unpack that some as I'm being aware of myself, looking at my propensities. And he's saying, it doesn't mean being aware of it, having grace for it doesn't mean you agree with it though. So yes, you can be disappointed with yourself. You, yeah, this is, this is, Kevin, new, okay. <laughs> I'm laughing because you and I are so in alignment with this. Like, I feel like I'm reading your mind because being a pro cyclist, being a professional singer, dancer, actor, we understand that, that idea that if, if, if you're not doing your best, do it again, do it harder. What, what's wrong with you, Kevin? I'm sure that's a thought that you've had many times. I know for me, that's a common thought that I would have in my mind. Renee, what is wrong with you? You messed that up. What's, the judgment yeah. has become so ingrained in my system that just recently with my therapist, so high five to us, yeah, Kev. Okay. Self-helpful, baby. Like talking <laughs> to my therapist, same thing. She constantly catches me as i'm speaking she's like i have to stop you did you hear the judgment of yourself oh there it is again oh there it is again renee there's a way to be aware of it but where does that come from and this is her helping me to interrogate my patterns and my stories she asks me renee where do you believe that began this judgment she said because it's so threaded within your system that you're not even aware of it until I bring it to your attention. Mm -hmm. And I do believe for me, I can remember being a perfectionist, Kevin, from five years old. I was in kindergarten. I'm getting real vulnerable here, everybody. I was five years old in kindergarten. And back then we used to have, you know, well, I'm sure they still do, but they don't teach handwriting in schools anymore, right? Or not many. But I was doing my ABCs and remember they'd have those big lines with the dotted line in the middle and you had to yeah. write it in there. I would do it and then erase it and then do it again and erase it because in my mind it wasn't perfect until I got to the brink of tears. I would be hysterically crying and my wonderful father would have to be the one to say, Renee, you're doing great. You're fine. But this perfectionist personality style was has been with me for as long as I can remember, right? So then when I got into my years of performing, oh, it was ramped up because I'm in dance class. Oh, maybe my right side is weaker than my left side. So I needed to work, work, work on that right side until it was as good as my left, right? And even if my feet were bleeding from my point shoes, I still had to dance on them. So this whole idea of perfectionism and judgment was threaded throughout every part of my life. And just now, within this past year or so, Kevin, I've been working through that with my therapist. And it's been so enlightening because I'm I'm able to sit back and go, wow. I've really been beating the crap out of myself for a while. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder why I'm I'm at this space now where my inner self, my truest self is like, Renee, this doesn't work anymore, girlfriend. You need to find a better way. You need to create a better story. 
Yes. And back to the, then your topic of communication, realize, so if I'm aware of this, realizing that as I am hearing someone knowing that a primary percentage of their communication is a story that they're telling a perception, they're telling something that they want to be understood with. I am sitting there and my tendency is to judge and Cause that's what I do with myself. I can't fix that. So I've been trying to be non-judgmental. I've tr- been trying to you know, have more compassion for people for so long and it's not gotten very far because I didn't start with me. Yeah. Minding my own mindset. And yeah. I wish everybody could watch the video so they could see your responses. It's so spot on. Isn't it so ironic? And, and for everyone listening, this is a, like a good moment to take inventory of yourself and of your own life. And when you find yourself, and I I talk about this in my own book, in Becoming a Master Communicator, I say, here's a little clue. When you find yourself judging a person for a specific reason, that's a sure sign that you have a lot of judgment for yourself. So that's a great place to sit back, have some communication with yourself and ask, am I judging myself? Do I judge myself for this thing? I've made my husband aware of this in a big way. And I have told him, I go, Michael, when I am judging you for something, or as as he likes to say, nagging for my ladies out there, I'm sure this is a familiar word, right? Yeah. Nagging. One day I said, babe, I got to tell you something. A light bulb just went off. The reason I'm doing this to you is because I'm in the room doing it to myself right now as I'm working on my book, as I'm working on content. I hear myself doing it to myself. So, of course, I'm doing it to you. And in this, since 2023 has has began, one of my um, my goals, I've been reading The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale, and it's amazing. And he he offers this challenge for 30 days to focus on this one goal. And I'm going to tell you all what my goal is because I'm an open book. Most people pick a goal that's like, I want to make 100 million this year, or I want to lose 50 pounds. Mine has nothing to do with those exterior things. Mine is this. Every day, I will accept all of my thoughts and feelings without judgment. And isn't it funny? We're sitting here talking about judgment. That's my goal, Kevin. So every single day for the past 35 days now, that's what I wake up and remind myself of. Renee, every day I will fully accept all of my thoughts and feelings without judgment. And it's been so eye-opening for me because it's made me even more aware of all the times I am judging myself. And now I could do a little, er, put a pause on, Renee, we don't do that anymore. And slowly but surely, I'm creating this new habit. I'm telling this new story. Well, I love that you said that as people have, you know, goal of make a million bucks and you're thinking about your mindset in essence. I know a big part of Michael Hyatt's, you know, perspective is, I think he'd sit here and go, yeah, and your best way to get to that million bucks is to, that's a, that's a symptomatic ask. You, as you said, an exterior thing is work on the interior, which is what we're talking about. And you're more likely to come to that. Yeah. I got to tell you, as you were talking about talking with your husband, that one of my hard places is hearing my wife complain about something, criticize something because I'm spending most of my moments trying not to. So I'm fighting that battle inside my bandwidth to hear it 
is, is a lot less because it's something I am fighting inside. And so we've had those discussions too. And, and honestly, there's not a great, it's, it's still a struggle. Uh, you know, even to the point of sometimes going, okay, you know, honey, can you share that with your best girlfriend? I'm man, I'm not at a great place right now. Cause I've been, especially if today, if I've really been battling it, I don't have, I'm raw in that. Mm-hmm. And even that from a relational standpoint is, is better than me just getting bitter and putting a wall up and she doesn't know why. And it's not really about her. As you said, it's about me. So we're back to being aware of self and, you know, talking about our therapist, Renee, yesterday I'm talking with my guy and I think two or three times and he's, he was trying to kind of, do you get it, Kevin? Do you get it? I say, yeah, I do intellectually. I hear you. I hear you intellectually. It's not, I, I don't have it in here yet. So well, and to that degree, am I ever, well, I'll ask you, are we, you know, are you ever going to not be, okay, I think that's what we want to see. Okay. I'm going to work on this. And at some day I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm, I'm going to eradicate that thing out of me. I don't know that I believe that I, I have a tendency to think it's probably always going to be in there, but I'm going to be aware of it. So I can do that quick check. There's a judgmental thought okay, I don't know if I make friends with it, deny it, however we want to put that. But then I respond, I go, okay, but that's not, that's not best. That's not going to help things here. I can have some grace. I can have some tolerance for myself, you know, in that sense. But I do like to play with that, that we don't have to eradicate this and think that we've got to absolutely obliterate this thing. We're just figuring out how to manage it. And I do, I have been playing with that term of, of making friends with it. Kind of like, Somebody asked me recently, might have been you, you know, about the imposter syndrome. I said, no, dude, I've got it. I don't think it's ever going to go away. I just made friends with it now. Yes. Yes. Making friends with those things that drive us batty sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea when we think of fear. We may never eradicate fear. Again, it's part of the human existence. Yeah. Right. That's like saying, I'm going to get rid of some other emotion. No, that's the beauty of being a human being. If if we didn't experience these different emotions and feelings, we wouldn't be humans. We'd be back in, I believe, you know, your soul form. So to your point, making friends with it. Yes, yes, yes. I can't say enough yeses to that. Embracing that part of yourself, because I believe I do a lot of inner child work. I believe that these patterns that we adopt these judgments it comes from an inner child within us that got stuck at some point in our lives in a time that we were trying to protect ourselves by being judgmental and just like any child a child needs to feel that they're being protected they need to feel that they have an adult to take care of them so if we learn to embrace these parts of ourselves you're right maybe we won't ever eradicate it and that's okay Because as negative as it can sometimes feel, it also teaches us so much. Because Kevin, you as the incredible host of this podcast, now that you're able to observe that part of yourself and you're able to embrace it, when you see a guest of yours come on with that same struggle, how beautiful that you can help them through it. And in essence, now you have created a whole new story around that. And instead of being this thing that we need to beat up, I hate this part of myself. I want to get rid of it. Now you're like, this is a part of of who I am. 
I show it love sometimes. I I show it that it's no longer in control of me. And I think that's the biggest shift is putting that separation between you when you bear witness now takes the control away. So now you're in the driver's seat. So you could say, okay, I'm aware. I'm, I'm a little scared, but I'm going to do that thing anyway. I feel the judgment coming up, but Kev, you're awesome. There's no reason to judge yourself. And then you'll see slowly but surely that starts to loosen up the grip that it has on you. All right. When you, br- you brought up something or you opened the door for something important, I think, because you talked about, we we're talking about eradicating stuff and you talked about fear. That's one that we tend to look at and just label as bad, right? So we want to wear the no fear shirts that I now look at and go, okay, I get the point, but that's actually stupid. The only person who doesn't have any fear is a psychopath. And if I don't have any fear, then as the bear comes towards me, I'm just going to sit there and it's kind of like the people they show. Yeah. in Yellowstone that are going up to the bison who then finally gores them to death because they should have some fear. That's there's, and even to, even to cause I'm thinking about judgment, man, I, I, I appreciate my judgment in a lot of ways in business in, um, you know, protecting my family, let, let's say, or in, yeah, in apps uh, or aspects of danger and looking, we need to have judgment and judge what is going to be best along here. What we're really talking about though, is judgment in regards to our intentions and, and, and others intentions. And that's where we start to fall off with that. But just to take those things of, yeah, if we're looking at fear, judgment, these things that we would think I need to get rid of, man, they have a great place in certain roles in our life, kind of back to, the compartmentalization, how great that you could take whatever trial tragedy that's happening, show up on stage, do your thing, get off and then deal with that. What a great strength for, for that. Not all bad over here though. Yeah. As I'm taking the, you know, for me, I, I talked for so many around years around endurance. You know, my endurance was so great, great for professional cycling, not so good in relationships when instead of dealing with stuff and entering into conflict, I just, endure. I'd still rather do that. It just, dang, it isn't working for me, which is why I spend a mortgage on a therapist every month. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but but that, that helps me again with that. I, I really like that aspect of we're not eradicating it and it has great uses. These things that we do, these propensities have great uses in some ways. They may have in our youth and they may have today in certain roles that we have, but over here, relationally communicating, they often... We run aground with them. Yeah, think about think about anger, right? There's anger management and there's these resources for people whose anger is out of balance. And I think that's really the key. Everything in our lives can be so useful right? When we change our story around it, going back to Michael and Megan's book, like it's all about the stories we attach to it. Take anger, right? Yes. If it's out of balance, meaning you cannot control your anger in daily life, it's, it's, it has control over you, then yes, you may want to seek help. But if you're a person who you experience anger, you know what that feels like. And when it's necessary, you use that anger as an agent for change. Yeah. Whew, now it becomes your greatest gift. I think of my own anger. 
Thank God I know what anger feels like. I would never have been able to play that major role in Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys movie if I didn't know what anger felt like. Because let me tell you, Kevin, I was able to use that for, for that role, right? She is angry. She was bitter. She was just so hurt by the fact that her husband was not around in the way she wanted, right? So what a gift that I was able to call upon that emotion. If I decided to try and eradicate that, I wouldn't have gotten or been successful at that role. So it's all about, again, what we're tying to this. What, What labels, what stories are we investing in these parts of our lives? Because all of them can be useful. It's how we look at them. Yeah, you were actually kind of scary in that role. I got to admit, yes, uh, see? we should do we should do a show, and and you have to do it as Mary Delgado. Yes. <laughs> It'd probably rock our ratings. Yes. Uh, okay, here I got a question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you don't like yeah. it, we can always edit it out because I, I something you you said I was about yeah. to say something, but I'm going to ask something as I fish. Uh, have you ever had a time in your life where you were a victim? Huh. You were vic- you were victimized. Let's say that. Okay. Mm. Um, oof. So that's a question. Well, I, I'll tell you what I'm fishing for if you want. Please tell me. You said changing our story around it. So yeah. I was thinking about this before the show that you spend, you have spent a dramatic amount of your life reciting lines, reciting stories. Yeah. So, Clint Eastwood's film, all your stuff on Broadway, you have to know your lines. You have to go there. You have to tell them over and over and over to yourself and uh, recite them. And I'm thinking about how Michael talked about this, retelling the stories that we want to live out. So if you are a victim, you, I'm sorry, you've been victimized. You've been mugged, whatever it is that happened to you. I mean, people have horrendous people listening here. We've got some of the most horrendous stories. We have people on the show with the most, the worst stories. They were absolutely 100% undeniably victimized. Mm -hmm. And we know what happens though, if they embrace the role and the life of a victim. It's not a good story. So to go back and, and we're not telling them to go back and hey, that was, I'm so grateful. I was, you know, victimized. We're not doing that, but to say, okay, I'm not going to be a victim though. I was victimized, but I'm not a victim that happened. And I am, you know, and paint a redemption story around that and tell it like you had to do most of your life. Tell that story, tell a story and it starts to become a, reality. And so I'm thinking you did that professionally, but that's really what, you know, my therapist would like me to do is Kevin rewrite that story to where you are not judgmental with yourself. You have understanding. You may not agree with what you did or be happy with it. And you're disappointed with yourself. That's okay. But tell a different story. That is not me. Kind of like the Zig Ziglar thing, you know, failure is an event, not a person. Okay. I failed. I'm not a failure. So taking these things, not denying them, not Pollyanna in them, but as you did as a profession, tell the story that you become second nature. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I had a situation where it was a close call. So I'll say that. And you know what's going to happen after we get off this conversation, everyone, I'm going to think of like 10 things I could have shared with yeah, you, yeah. but in this moment, but in this moment, the first thing that comes to mind is when I was first, um, becoming a professional performer. I graduated from college. I just booked the first, the 25th anniversary tour of cats, 
Hmm. Um, at the same time, I was auditioning for this TV show. It was like a new um, a new pilot happening. And I'll never forget, I, I kept getting called back and I would bring my mom with me to the audition and I end up booking the secondary lead. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting, right? I'm 21 years old or 22 maybe. Well, one weekend, the director calls me and he's like, um, Renee, I'd, I'd love for you to meet me in, in Penn Station in New York and um, for, for rehearsal. And, and uh, again, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new at this. I've always had my wits about me, but this is like my first big thing. I'm like, oh, OK, um, great. Yeah, I'll meet you at Penn Station. Feeling good because Penn Station in New York City, everyone is always crowded. So I didn't feel like I'm going to this place alone with him. So my mom, she wants to come with me. I'm like, no, mom, it's fine. We're going to Penn Station. You know, it's it's crowded. So anyway, I meet him there. And as we just meet and we start walking and now we're we're in the heart of, of New York City and he's asking me um, about the the fact that I got this role and he he keeps saying and he was had a very heavy Russian accent so you know when English isn't your first language sometimes the way you're structuring sentences yeah. right isn't yeah. the way that me as an English speaking first language woman would 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 take it so you know he was he was asking me in in so many words Renee um he's like how are you going to prove to me you really want this oh. and I'm like. Oh. And I'm answering really like, well, I'm a hard worker and, you know, everything I do, I do 500 percent and and we're walking and and I'm like, oh, where are we headed to? And he said, oh, to meet New York producers and directors and my my gut intuition, which they talk about in Mind Your Mindset, right? The intuition is such a powerful tool for us. I was feeling a little weird about it because I'm like, well, that's really general to meet New York producers and directors. Hmm, okay. So we're walking and again, he, he's asking me this question and he says, you know, cause I could make anybody a star. I could take this lamp and make this lamp a star. How are you going to really prove to me? And we're just about to be at the subway stairs. And it was like, all of a sudden, Kevin, this, like, I felt like a punch in the gut. And I was just like, and I stopped him and I said, what are you saying? Yeah. Now I'm like almost feeling like a little angry because I'm like so taken off guard. And he's like, oh, I'm just I'm just making joke. I just making joke. And I said, where are you taking me? And he said, I, I told you to me, New York producers and directors. And I go and sorry for the bad accent. Everybody just don't. No, I thought it was don't. pretty good, actually. <laughs> he's like, but he basically says, you know, to meet these New York producers and directors. And then I said, well, where is the lead girl and guy? Like, I'm only the secondary lead. And he says, oh, we rehearsed yesterday. And at that moment, I, it was like, I felt like I was about to cry because I was like, oh, my God, where is this man taking me? And I just put my hand out. I said, thank you very much. And I turned and I ran back to Penn Station. But it was this moment that the light bulb went off that I could have been yeah. victimized in that moment. And I, I think about that a lot because I go, if I didn't have my wits about me, right, how easily this could have happened. I'm just going with him, trusting. I'm excited to be this new actress. And, and I was just like, uh-uh. That's not worth it. But how quickly that could have shifted. And God forbid, I don't know where he was going to bring me. And I think of how the trajectory of my life could have changed that day. Right. But again, even that story, I use that as like, wow, 
this is why for me, having that powerful communication with myself where I could hear my gut intuition saying, Renee, uh uh-uh, don't walk down those stairs. I was able to hear the voice and listen. And now when I share this story, especially with other young actresses up and coming, it's this beautiful gift that I'm able to offer because it's like, listen, this happened. This can happen very easily. And it happens more often than we think. But thank goodness I had the wherewithal to hear my intuition and turn the other way. What's well, an interesting, thanks for the story. It's interesting to look yeah. at that victim, being a victim as opposed to being, you know, victimized yeah. that back to even the aspect of judgment, I've been called out by my therapist and even friends, you know, for those things that we tend to say about ourselves. So, you know, what are those negative plays, you know, albums that we play over and over. And, and even that one I need to work on that Kevin's judgmental. And my guys, no, take that out. You have used judgment in some really good ways. You've abused it some as, yes. as have we all, but it still serves you well. So get rid of that label. What's another one? You know, Kevin is self-centered. He did. He worked on that yesterday. Who's not. Um, yeah. But now, you know, how is that serving you? Uh, to to do that, you've been fighting that. Quit fighting that. And make kind of the, that thing of, of, of make friends with that. You may not agree. So over here, it's great. That self focus. Let's say on on that, it serves you well as in your art. You know, in your writing, and your you need that. Now over here, you know, sure, you, you need to invest in other people, and, and there's a there's a there's a spectrum. Let's say of that. But again, these these things that we're saying that then taint our these mindsets that taint, dilute, whatever, ultimately our communication is whatever's going on inside. And this is what Michael and, and Megan are bringing us to is what is going to run through our communication. And I'm going to be listening to you, to Renee, to you telling a story. And I'm thinking about it through my story. And if I'm not aware of that, then how often can we come at a play? What comes out is not helpful for us. It doesn't resonate with us. And I can't really, we even come into that. How, I can't listen to you. That was kind of step number one for you in communication. I can't really even hear you. Man, this I'm just saying this is stupid. This happens all the time. How often can I not even hear the person? I can't listen. I can't hear because what they said just triggered me or I'm so caught up in X, Y, Z that I can't even fully listen. And I got to be honest. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it, it, the place that it's most acute is the most intimate relationships that we have. How often do I not, I don't even have the ability to hear my wife. And I'm in my own awareness. There's been sometimes, thankfully in my growth and evolution to say, you know what, right now I can't hear you. I'm so full of my own stuff right now, or I'm, you know, I'm triggered or whatever. I need a minute or an hour or a day, maybe a week <laughs> on this one, maybe a week. Maybe a week. <laughs> yeah. But again, we're, we're talking about, I love what you said, the external, and we're talking about the internal. I want to say this in a way, because it can also sound, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. Really? It, it, and it think is. about this. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go, go, go. No, no. I, I, as you're, what you just said is, is so important for us to dig into. We can't listen to one another when we don't know who the heck we are or why the heck we react in the ways we do in our lives. Right. Think about that. And we can see it each and every day when we look around us and you turn on the television and watch the news, which is why I don't watch it much anymore. And, and Michael and Megan touched upon this in, in the book as well. And I loved it. You see these two, let's just take Republicans and Democrats. 
both of those parties and the people who attach themselves to those parties, they're only listening from that label that they attach themselves to. Mm -hmm. So, Kevin, if you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat or vice versa, the minute you start talking, I'm like racked with judgment already because I'm like, well, I already know he's on the opposing team. So I already have the walls up and I couldn't possibly listen to what you're actually saying or let's let's say it the right way. I can't hear what you're saying because all I see is this label of Democrat, Democrat or Republican, Republican. And then we wonder why we have this world of people talking over each other, talking at each other, but never talking with each other. And it's the same idea when we haven't peeled back the onion and used step two of what they say in this three-step process, which is interrogating our stories. Like if if the Democrats or the Republicans could sit back and say to themselves, okay, wait a second. So here are my beliefs on this said issue. You know, I think Kevin said the same thing. I think he said he believes the same thing. Before they knew it, they'd be like, wow, we're much more alike than we are different. And there wouldn't be all this tension and this division in our world right now. And that's why I think this book and this message is so important. And I... It really is so aligned with what I talk about in my communication and becoming a master communicator. It all starts with the self. It all starts with us. It's never exterior. And so many of us in this day and age are working from the outside in because we have all these tools and these digital processes and our smartphones. And we think we know so much because we have information at our fingertips, right? Yeah. We haven't started with the most important piece of information technology, which is our spirit and our souls. You've got me thinking about an audit. So as I did with you and all the guests on the show, we go through the values, motives, and habits, and we go through the Ziegler wheel of life. We go through your values and your habits and, you know, spiritually and uh, health and wellness and finances and relationships and yada, yada. To go through there and interrogate my beliefs is what, because you just talked about. So last year we had Andy Norman on the show. His book is Mental Immunity. And what we talked about, the focus was the, when our beliefs, we attach them to ourselves, how dangerous that can be. So if I go along there and go, okay, anytime that I'm going to talk, okay, I'm going to communicate with somebody. If we're going to communicate about, and I'm going to get, I'm going to go into sketchy waters here. We're going to, we're going to communicate about spirituality, which I do on every show. Now yeah. I would not have done that in the past. I won't even say how long ago the past because my spirituality was based around a religion that had very black and white aspects to it. And the minute that we start talking about spirituality, if you are saying anything contrary, my primary thought is either I just shut you off or I'm going to defend it. It has nothing to do with listening to you with being able to hear you, with being able to, the point of communication to actually connect. I, I didn't have that possibility because, so if I go through, if I were to go through the Ziggler Wheel of Life and look at each of those and go, okay, where are my beliefs along there? Every one of those is going to possibly, if I don't have it in check, is going to, I'm going to use that word again, taint, uh, but it is going to affect my communication with somebody on that. Can I be aware of my belief, how that's going to affect that's, 
that's a that'd be interesting to talk with Michael about. Um, that's that's deep water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's all it's so eye opening when we start with the self. Mm-hmm. When we start with us, we have so many layers to our beings that. Sometimes I laugh. I say, I'm a I'm such a self-aware person, sometimes hyper self-aware, right? And things are still challenging for me when I'm identifying triggers and and I'm asking myself why I'm jumping to judgment or all these things. It's still difficult. I say, can you imagine the people who are walking around the world saying, I'm good? Uh uh-uh, I'm good. No, I don't need to worry about that spirituality stuff, or I don't need to worry about what stories I'm telling myself. I'm good. I'm I'm and I'm like, wow, that that must be such an interesting existence to have because I'm on the opposite side of the scale, right? Where now I'm so in tune to myself and the conditioning that I have through my own upbringing and the religion I was raised with that it's like it's a constant school that I'm in. It's like the school of Renee. Talk about, you know, feeling self-involved, but sometimes you have to be self-involved to, to unravel these, these stories and these parts of our personality that are no longer serving us. Yeah. It's, it's so, you've got me thinking on a, on, on another, well, I just say a deeper level here, uh, Renee, that, you know, communication, this, that's your, that's your, mastery that's your expertise but the communication that ultimately my communication is a reflection of yeah talking about the, the 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 consecutive order of these shows here my communication is ultimately a reflection of my mindset yes. that's yeah but that's man that's big that's convicting that as i look at you know lynn twist we had her on the show renowned humanitarian and she talked this isn't even necessarily her you know her arena but she at some point during the show she just kind of whipped something off and i brought her back to it and she talked about how our mood leads before us other people's moods lead Mm -hmm. and i said you mean attitude she said no i think even different than your attitude is just your mood when you walk into a room People sense your mood and you do with theirs as well. That again, we're talking about communication, my mindset, especially if we bring up certain topics, that'd be an interesting one to hook me up to the electrodes and just say, okay, yes. yeah, yeah, let's, let's watch what happens here. Spirituality, yeah. you know, yes. relationship, marriage, parenting, finances, money, you know, whatever it is. And just watch those on. And as I'm, if I go out in the world to communicate with people today, how great for me would it be? And this is what we're talking about. Uh, if if I could exaggerate it and say there's a thought bubble that's going to happen behind that person's head, that as they say something, it's going to come and go, Kevin, you just got triggered. They said that, and this is what just happened in you. Watch out. And they go, oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, let me now answer that without that trigger, without that bias, without that dilution in essence. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here. How great if it could be, if that's what we're talking about. Can we have that minor mindset as Michael Hyatt said, think about our thinking and it does just cause us. I feel like as every show does and every topic to be aware, is there any bigger? Yeah. No. And, and what I love that, that Michael talks about is, you know, cause he's all about helping high achievers, right. To, to access their goals from a, from a space that, that they can be at their best What's so cool about this book and and the interview that you guys had is when we start with 
just the goal in mind, right? I almost feel like that's the old school way of doing things. Like this is my goal and I'm going toward it. Well, isn't it interesting that we wonder why, well, why so often do people not reach their goals? That shows us that we're not starting from the right starting point. And with mind your mindset, they're really driving home the point that we must start within ourselves. We must ask why, A, what the stories are we're telling ourselves, because whatever that story is we're telling ourselves is going to lead us to achieving that goal or not, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's almost like doing things in reverse that many of us are used to. We're used to like vision board. I'm going to put it on my vision board, right? Yep, absolutely. I'm going to change my eating habits. Yeah. And we feel good and inspired for a day, a week, maybe a month, and then we fall off. Yeah. Well, why? Because we haven't done the inner work first. We haven't even figured out why we want that goal. We haven't figured out what we believe about ourselves to to get to reaching that goal. And it's when you read this book, it just really reiterates that, man, we must start to spend more time with ourselves than anybody else. And that's not selfish. Like to to go back to what you were saying, talking to your therapist like, man, Kevin, you know, you're you're self-involved. Good. Good on you. Right. Self-care is not selfish. Self-care is a must because when we take care of ourselves and we own up to these fears we have, these these conditioned patterns we have and we work. Right. It's always a working and we work to unlearn them and rewrite a new story. We're only helping those other people that we're in relationships with. We're only improving our communication with other people because now it's like, oh, I know who I am. I know if I talk to Kevin when I haven't gotten enough sleep and when I just got in an argument with my husband, it's not going to be a great conversation, right? Knowing those those patterns allow us to then connect with others on a much deeper level. And then we can achieve those goals that we want, whether it's personal or business. Yeah. You've got, you got me thinking again about the flip of how we are culturally programmed to think of connecting with other people. I want to understand. I want to understand my spouse better. I need to try to understand my kid. I'm trying to understand this family member or this friend or this coworker or boss or employee or what I'm trying to understand them. And our lack of ability to do that when we have not first said, do I even freaking understand myself? I mean, that's really, um, that's really a big part of my life. Renee in in all truth is spending time trying to address the external without the internal, which, you know, is makes sense as to why I now have this show totally focused on the internal. This is my own journey, but it continues to be a revelation to me of, yeah, my efforts to, and and gosh, I need to go back and thank my therapist today. I'll send him an email and say, (laughs) I get it, man. I'm trying to understand these people in my life. And he's saying, okay, dude, let's look in the mirror, figure out first how to understand yourself. It's not, it's not intuitive. I mean, it's just, it's just not, it's not intuitive. It's counterintuitive to look at it that way. And that that's what we keep. Well, I mean, this is Michael's research. This is what they did the book on is coming back. And it's interesting. I didn't pick up on it when you and I first talked about your book on communication and you mentioned a couple of times and you've mentioned it here again about your current or, you know, past and current work on working on the inner child Oh yeah, for yourself. It wasn't just taking Dale Carnegie courses on how to communicate externally. 
No, it yeah. again, we who we are within, what patterns we have, what thoughts we think. Our outer world is just a reflection of what's going on within. Yeah. So it only makes sense once you recognize that to start from the inside out, right? And they talk about this in the book, and I wrote it down somewhere if I can find it. But we often, especially as high achievers, right? Like people who are like, like you and I are like, we're like, all right, we want to set out to do this thing. We we think that it's about the thing yeah. and, and yeah. We're, we're moving towards the thing. But when we leave ourselves out of the equation, this is where we miss the mark. And I love when he's talking about um, when he had his coach, his executive coach, Eileen, and he was talking about when he was running Thomas Nelson yep. Publishers. Yep. Um, he was talking about how, like, you know, they they weren't doing good in this quarter. You know, things were kind of kind of down a bit. And when Eileen asked him why, he had this like whole set of reasons why excuse this thing because of that because of the you know um just all this these external reasons and when eileen held up that spiritual mirror for him to say if you could understand that the problem that's happening lies between your two ears now you have you can claim all that responsibility and that gives you the power to change Right. When we blame it on all these exterior things, oh, you know, well, well, Kevin and I didn't do that interview today because Zoom didn't work and because of this and because of that. Now I have no control. Right. So I'm not in a place to now be solution based to fix it. When we claim that and we let the excuses go, now we're in a place of power. And trust me, this is so hard for me to get. This is something I've been working on because of all the years of beating myself up, right? If I was given feedback, especially like my husband, when whole like give me feedback, I would, I used to jump right to using that as an excuse to now beat myself up more. See, I should have known that, right? We should all over ourselves. I should have known that. And Michael, my husband taught me this. He said, Renee, when you take the feedback and just say, okay, cool. This is something I'm going to work on. Now you have the power to change. He said, it's the difference between being solution-based and problem-based. And I think, Renee, you're used to sitting in the problem, which is so true. Hmm. I'm being so real with you all now. For so long, I sat in the problem because I used it as an excuse to reinforce why I wasn't good enough. See, I did mess that thing up. I told you I would, right, to reinforce that self-judgment. But just like Michael Hyatt with his coach, Eileen, when he heard her say that, even though it was hard to take at first, when he was able to process it, it was like, oh, wait, now I'm in a place of power. And man, I really, I adopted a whole bunch of stories to reinforce my beliefs, but it's time to interrogate that story and it's time to rewrite a new one. And that is when he moved from a place of empowerment. And how often do we all, we all do this. I mean, he, listening to, to him say that in the book, I was like, wow, it struck such a chord with me. Cause I'm like, I've done that a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And then we feel safe, right? We feel comfortable. Cause we're like, oh yeah, like it wasn't my fault. Oh, sorry. No, you know, zoom didn't work. So oops. Now we don't have to, we don't have to feel bad about that, but that's a double-edged sword because the minute we start using those excuses and blaming the exterior, now we're out. We're not in a place of power. 
A hundred percent. But what you just said there though, feeling bad about it, that's what feels like if we put something out there to blame, then we don't have to feel bad because if it's us, then we feel bad as opposed to the third way, which is claiming responsibility for the power that we get. Don't feel bad about it. And that's what we're not able to hold. And it reminds me of, uh, they just talked about, I think they're going to be promoting the self-helpful podcast over on impact theory. That's Tom Billion's show. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. I thank you. I appreciate Tom. He has, if you type in Tom bill, I think it's B I L Y E U or something like that, but type that in and type in, it's all my fault. There's this little video clip. I think it might've been on somebody else's show that he was on, but it's called, it's all my fault. And he, t- and I talk about this. I've talked about it so often, but this preposterous perspective where he says, if a meteor comes out of the sky, falls through his roof and kills his wife, he's going to say, it's all my fault. And he kind of goes through this spiel and he goes, now, of course that's stupid. It's, I could not possibly take responsibility, but to exaggerate the point, if I blame out here to what you just said, Renee, I'm giving the only power I have to something else. I want to say that it's my fault or, or to say it's within my power. I have the way to, I can control how I respond to that, how I go forward. And that is what gives me power. So yeah, don't feel bad about it. even the things that are my fault, man, I made a mistake I can hear my counselor saying, it's not your self-worth, Kevin. It's a mistake. Yes. You may, re- you may regret it. That's okay. You can, di- you can be disappointed. That's okay. It's not your self-worth. It was a mistake. Try, now let's, let's go try to redeem it, but you have the power, keep that power as, as you're talking about. And uh, that's, that's a whole, that's another, we could do another show on that one. We uh, could literally do another show on this. You know what? As you just said that, I just got the chills. I got the chill bumps. And when I get the chill bumps, I always know like I'm in a place of where I'm supposed to be. That gives me such hope. Like, I don't know how you feel about that, Kevin, or those of you who are listening, but when I hear that, that, I am in a place of power when I claim responsibility and when I read Mind Your Mindset and I'm reminded that I can create a new story, I'm like, like, it just feels so good. It's it's a feeling of hope. And, And I think that's what we all must feel in order to move forward in this world that can sometimes be really hard, right? Let's face it. Life is full of trials, tribulations, and beauty. But when we realize and recognize that we can create new stories, it's not like, boom, this is what it is, sucks for you. How great does that make you feel like? I want to go out and like sing and be like, yes, I, I can rewrite the story in the way I want it to be. And it, it reminds me of in your interview with Michael, when he was talking about how he had the heart attack yeah, and the nurse went around asking, so what does this heart attack mean to you? And one of the gentlemen in, in, in the group said, Oh, I mean, this is just the beginning of the end. Like, right. th- you know, it, this sucks. Like for him, it was like doom and gloom. This is it. This is a sure sign that I'm, I'm on my way out. Looking at that verse, the perspective that, um, His doctor said, which was like, Michael, this is a new beginning for you, man. New chapter. This is going to be your best moment yet. And it was like the same situation, two completely different stories. And how we, as human beings, we have the power to pick which story we would like to claim. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel so pumped up. I'm like, yes, I'm going to rewrite the new story because it, it lets you know that we 
are in a state of becoming, right? We're always in a state of becoming and nothing, thank God, you know, not most decisions in our life, right? They're not um, irreversible, right? So even when we make those mistakes, even when we do that thing that maybe we're not proud of, we can rewrite the story, right? We can turn that into a lesson. We can grow from there. We're always in this state of becoming. It just, I know for me, it gives me a sense of peace. And I hope that for those of you who read the book and listen to the interview with with Kevin and Michael, you feel that same sense because that's what I felt. After listening to you guys on the interview, I was like, man, that's so good. I got to go listen to the book. And then I listened to the book. I was like, okay, yep, I got this. Like nothing is set in stone and I have the power to make the change. Totally. Yeah. And that is a incredible I'm grateful. I'm grateful. That sounds terrible. I was like, grateful he had a heart attack six months ago. No, but the timing, if it's going to happen, because for him to bring it onto the show and say, both of these guys had a heart attack. That's an, that's an absolute, that's a, uh, an objective reality. They both had a heart attack. I think it would also be fair to say it's an objective reality that neither of them would, was happy about that, should be happy about that. They both wish it did not happen. However, it did. That's end of story. So there's the end of our objective reality, the end of fact, because then we just go into the perspective on it. And one wrote a story of hopelessness and one wrote a story of hope. And that's because I've been thinking about that. I, I just, I'm really sensitive to not minimizing the feeling, the emotion, because that's what my counselor is working on me with, you know, to, to, to take that and sit in it and feel it and grapple with it, grieve it if you need to. And then, then come to, okay. But now I want to go forth with what's the best chance I have of life as opposed to death as, as giving energy as opposed to taking away from it. And it's not making some, you know, Pollyanna stupidity about that. And it's not Michael going, I'm so thrilled. I had a heart attack. Yes. That's, that's not reality, but I did. So what does this, my parents would used to say, used to irritate me. Like if something would happen, they go, okay, what does this make possible? I'm going, I, I shut up. It, yeah, yeah, just, exactly. this, this pisses me off. I want to be pissed, yeah. but okay. Be pissed, grieve. Uh, but then yes. what, what does, what is possible now? Feel your feelings, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. you reiterated that. And I just need to highlight that we must feel our feelings. Yes. Taking the situation with Michael and the heart attack. Yes. I'm sure he felt so disappointed, so distraught, so scared, so upset. Feel those feelings as long as you need to. And then there's the choice, right? I've had situations in my life where it was, man, tough, like tough. I I never, never ran away from the feelings. I sat in them. I felt them. As I told you guys last time Kevin and I spoke, like I am a crier. And this is interesting. Today in, in the mass, I, I had a funeral this morning. The priest said something so beautiful And I wrote it down afterwards. And he said, it was this um, message, Conversations from God, which I know is a book, uh, Donald Neal Walsh. It must be like an excerpt from it. I'm not sure. But in it, he was saying that this person was saying, you know, God, why do I cry so much? And God said, well, that's the reason I gave you tears. Mm -hmm. And it like struck this chord with me because I talk so much about being an emotional person and needing to cry and feel my feelings. And I was like, yeah, that's why I have tears. I must feel those feelings. So yes, the, the the goal here is never to Pollyanna your way out of it. And for a long time, I think when I started on my self-helpful journey, I thought that's what it was. I'm great. I'm happy. No, everything's fine. 
And it's like, no, 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 no. You must feel the feelings. Get it out. Let it suck. Like, let the suck suck for a while. And then you make the choice to say, now, where do I go from here? Well, and there's where our stories are different because I did not. I did not feel the feelings. I have not. And in not doing that and not being aware of what was going on in the background, it caused, uh, caused it. I allowed it to sabotage things. And mm-hmm. I've done that with relationships. I've done that with business, uh, by not being aware of those feelings. And it's interesting. And I, I don't want to go down a rabbit trail, but you know, we tend to talk about emotions and whether we feel, you know, I'm emotional or, or I'm not. And what I'm realizing, I, th- I think is that it's not that I haven't been emotional. I haven't been aware of my emotions, but it's not that I don't feel emotions. I don't, I don't see a whole lot of people except for again, you know, the psychopath maybe who doesn't feel emotions, but we can tend to not be emotionally expressive. And I'm never going to be like you in emotional expression, which is very similar to my wife. I'm not going to be that. And I think I'm okay with that, but there is, there needs to be some outlets. I mean, I want to be, I want to experience joy and to step into that. And I need to experience some of the pain and step into that and, and allowing some of those like that with crying. I mean, that is, I love that. You know, why did God give you tears? Um, yeah. I have not been utilizing my tears well <laughs> enough. So there, there, there's some that needs to come out. Uh, so that's, yeah, it's, man, this is fun. Um, it's this fun. So it's hard. It's hard. It, honestly, it's hard. It's fun. It's uh, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we did this because you have insight into, I mean, you're focused on communication and to have Michael come along and talk about minding your mindset, which so influences our communication. I think if we don't, we can try to come to the communication and it's going to be so difficult if we don't mind our mindset first. So it's not just a skill it's a spirit behind it. Still, there is the skill. I mean, we still have how to win friends and influence people. They're still, you know, get, get in touch with the feelings and look somebody in the eye, smile, yes. shake their hand. Um, and it's a great package. It's a great package. Um, it is. And it's such a gift. And I think we all must remember this when we, it's, it's not easy. You guys, it's not easy taking that time to just unravel the patterns and the conditioning you have. Yeah, it's not always pretty. Trust me. Some days I'm like, why? Why did I decide to do this? But on the other side, when I have those moments, I like to say hindsight is the most powerful sight. When I look back and I go, wow, how far I've come. That Those are the moments that you realize like this journey is worth it, right? We have one life to live. And we came into these, these lives as babies where we didn't have a chance to, to make decisions for ourselves. So we just leaned into those who led us and we got conditioned by what they wanted for us or they needed for us. So it's this whole journey of becoming and unlearning and then choosing those new stories that we want to tell. So it's not always pretty. It's not always fun, but it is so worth it. And when we start with ourselves, when we connect with ourselves before anyone else, trust me, it makes those external connections and communications that much more powerful. And then you'll see, you'll see how all of a sudden you feel like, oh my goodness, the curtains pulled back and there's a world of opportunity out there for me. And it's just up to me to grab hold of them. That's the mic drop right there. Renee. (laughs) Thank you. This has been uh, a joy. Thank you. 
always. So let the training begin. Reprogramming and minding our mindset takes training, as Renan and I talked about, day in and day out. The opportunity is to change your experience and the reality of your life. Again, Michael Hyatt's book, Mind Your Mindset, the science that shows success starts with your thinking. You can buy the book and along with it, get his course for free at mindyourmindsetbook.com slash self-helpful. Thank you for choosing to tune into this self-helpful podcast. I hope you go away from this one with some intention to start reprogramming training, retraining your brain and your stories. That's what Renee and I are going to be doing and continuing to talk about. I sincerely hope I've helped you today. Help yourself so that you can help others. 